You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You know, I know a lot of people want Lance Lynn off the team just as much as people want Mike Clevenger off the team. And some people wouldn't mind seeing Michael Kopech move to the bullpen like myself. But like when you look at this rotation, Ed, you would still have 60% of the rotation completely iffy, right? Because right now there's only one out of five that you trust, and his name is not Dylan Cease. Who would have thought it wouldn't have been Dylan Cease that you would have been trusting this time of year? You'd be sitting there going, ah, I don't know what to do about Dylan Cease. I mean, I can understand sitting there going, hey, Lance Lynn looks like he might be at the end of the road here, and I can understand Mike Clevenger didn't pan out. And I can understand the Kopeck thing, too. Yeah, yeah, actually, I can. There were signs that it was possible that he wasn't going to be a frontline starter and maybe at best a fifth starter. And if everybody else was going along really well, if we had several guys in the rotation that were going deep in the games, you'd be able to put up a Clevenger and your bullpen would be able to cover for him. And maybe he just wouldn't be a guy that goes very deep in the games, but he's a fifth starter, essentially a long reliever that starts games. If things were going well in other places, it wouldn't affect you so much. But, I mean, like, this is the hand that we're dealt at this point with the team. And this is a team that should have taken three out of four at minimum from the Royals, and they couldn't come close to it. So, I mean, it's it's extremely disappointing because you, you see the possibilities. I mean, Yohan Moncada's coming back this weekend. If he hits, that's good news. Right. If he doesn't, then whatever. I mean, well, look, he's, he's better yeah. than having hands are over there at third base, I think. Oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, and Jake Berger, he's going to go on a rehab assignment. There's always there's always some positives to be taken here and there. I mean, Yon Moncada could come back. He could hit. He could look like the guy from the World Baseball Classic. Remember that? Remember we were so excited about how he looked? I know. Um, then we got like a week of him or something like that, right? Or two weeks. Right, I don't remember yeah. how many weeks we got. It wasn't a lot of weeks. And then, no, and then we're, he was injured. There weren't enough weeks there. If this White Sox team wanted me to believe They were going to dig out of the hole that they dug themselves to kick off the season. I expected three out of four from the last place team in their lowly division. And instead, they lose three out of four. They dug the hole deeper. So as we say at the beginning of every show, it still holds true even more today than maybe yesterday. Fire Rick Hahn, fire Kenny Williams, fire Chris Getz into the sun for lack of player development, and Jerry Reinstorf, please sell the team. Let's just get it out of the way. And you know, if I would have bumped into them on the field at guaranteed rate on Wednesday, I had decided I was going to say it right to their face. What's the point of doing it on the podcast if I'm not going to say it to their face? But I did get on their field on Wednesday. It was incredible. That's the first time I've ever been on the field at the rate. Yeah, well, it's not like it happens all that often, right? Where where the, they let fans on the field. I mean, it, once or twice a year, one or two events. Well, I didn't get in because of the White Sox. I got no, in no, because no, no, it, was no. a, it was a Miller Lite event. And then I was the guest of Cork and Carry at the park. The wonderful, amazing, proud sponsor of Socks in the Basement that got me on the field, got me in the dugout, got me batting practice at this event. Batting practice. I got the I got the field fly balls in center field where Luis Roberts stands. Like I had a blast, man. I brought my glove. I was like a little kid. I was throwing uh like you know, just throwing the ball around in the outfield, just warming up before the event got started where everybody's going to get some batting practice and 
feeling some fly balls and I could walk through the the bullpen and the dugout and I've got all kinds of cool stuff that I saw and I got to check out where the scout seats are. I know I brought that up on the last show, not even knowing I was going to this. Like I found out on Tuesday night that I could go to this and I was, I just got rid of everything on my schedule. I laughed. My wife was like, oh, we got to go. You got, what about the kids? And they've got games. I'm like, ha 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 ha. I'm not going to be there. There's no way I'm passing yeah, it this just, up. It, it, it ain't happening. <laughs> not, the kids can stay home from school and miss a game. I don't care. Like, <laughs> like, I don't care what happens to the kids tomorrow. This is dad's day tomorrow. Like, I, I'm going to the ballpark, and I think every single one of you would have done the exact same thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, I got in there as a guest of Cork and Carry at the park. Uh, make sure that you're out there pregame. Uh, just an incredible spot for pregame. And, and you can bring the family by, get some good food. They just have just such a high level of cuisine that they put out for essentially a pub that, that has an incredible bar, uh, an award-winning menu, the uh, the spirits, the wines, the all kinds of craft beer on tap. And then afterwards, it's a big party, win or lose. Uh, Sox fans come together in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton. But I was there. I was a guest. And I, I got to I got to go to this event. It was really for, I think, I think it was for bars and restaurants that sell a lot of Miller Lite. <laughs> I think that's what it was, right? So right, like, yeah, man, Miller, Miller Lite's picking picking their guys that are right, making them money. Right, but I mean, I met so many people there that didn't work at a bar or restaurant. They were the guest of the owner of the bar or the restaurant that, that got brought along. So I wasn't the only one that was in there. And of course, I put the socks in the basement shirt on because I can't help myself. I'm like, well, I'm taking well, pictures. You, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just, I just kept getting worried I was going to get hit in the back of the head by somebody when they realized I was in the building. Well, you didn't you didn't drink Joe Boo's rum, so I wouldn't worry about that, right? Some of the things that I, I noticed right away. In fact, one of the things that really stuck out to me, like in my in my journey, I, I walked around and, and looked at every crevice of the ballpark that I could from field level. I went into the bullpen. I went into the White Sox bullpen, and it is it is interesting to me that they have a flat screen TV in there where they can watch the game live. I didn't know I I mean, they're out there right now. At any game at the rate. And if Steve Stone starts yelling about Aaron Bummer, the rest of them are sitting there listening to it. Like I, I th- for a moment, I thought to myself, maybe they should unplug that and take that away when the team's not doing well. Because if you're if you're watching the commentary of the game while you're sitting in there waiting to be called to take care of the guy that's struggling on the mound, that could that could mess with your brain, don't you think? But they have it. It's like there's like a little side room that has like Buckets of like chewing gum in case they want to chew gum and buckets of sunflower seeds. And it's like this little hidden area that's underneath where the pitchers are standing. It's like a little room off to the side, but they can sit there and be looking out on the field and then look off to the right and listen to and watch replays and stuff like that and hear the commentary during the game. And I was like, you know, it's such a high pressure thing. Why would you why would you want them to listen to? some of the stuff that might get under their skin. Am I, am I crazy for thinking that? Well, I think it's probably there, not so that they can listen to Steve Stone criticize them. It's probably more so that they can see how the strike zone is looking and how batters are reacting to certain things and get a better feel for it. Because let's face it, from, from the outfield, from that perspective, whether you're on the field or not, it's a little bit harder to see what's going on. And frankly, if Steve Stone is saying that Aaron Bummer is leaving the ball up and he's going to get hammered if he keeps doing that, I don't think that that's going to get under the skin of the other relievers because they're probably sitting there going like, yeah, Aaron, listen to Stoney. If you keep leaving the ball up, you're going to get hit. Ha- oh, well, there it goes. You know, it, it's it's one of those where I don't think that that they take that criticism and sit there and go, 
I better do better or I, I got to do it. I got to do it differently or, or it's Stoney's going to say mean, mean things about me. First of all, some of them probably, you know, don't pay attention to the audio anyway. They may not have the audio on. But the other part of it is that I just imagine that even if they do hear it, they're probably sitting there going one of two ways with it. One, it's Steve Stone. If he's saying something's messed up and you got to do it differently, maybe listen to the guy. He kind of knows some things. It's like an extra coach. Yeah, he really is. And and two, <laughs> two really, uh, you know, even if they're even if they're critical of the bullpen in general, they're critical of the team in general. I don't I don't get a feeling that this team is so self unaware that they don't realize that their ERAs are bloated and their whips are really bad and they're giving up too many hits or walks or stuff like that. My guess is is that they're probably hearing it not for the first time. I just thought it was interesting that they could watch it back there because I didn't see another TV in the visitors bullpen and there aren't TVs in the dugout. So I just found it interesting. There's a group of players that are sitting there watching it. And like, I'm sure there's TVs down in the, in the clubhouse and there's video review and all that other stuff, but like the live, yeah. the live feed that's on television that we're watching the idea that there's at least a group of Sox players in the bullpen, theoretically watching that at the same time we are. That, that just kind of fascinated me. What also fascinated me was that the dugouts in the bullpen, like you think that it's going to be some fancy thing, right? I, I've, I've seen like park district dugouts and bullpens that are fancier. Like they're sitting on like old, dirty folding chairs out there in the bullpen. The dugout, I, I never got this, but the dugout like steps are just beat up wood and some benches that are like crudely just screwed into it. And then the actual bench that's up against the wall where you see players either sitting on them or they're sitting up on the top on the top of the chair with their cleats down there. Like, first of all, they rip apart the material like there's holes like the thing. It looks like it's 80 years old and they're probably redoing the upholstery all the time because of their cleats. And then you can't see anything on the field. I tried to sit as tall as I possibly could. You can't see anything on the field unless you're up at the top step. I thought that was interesting. Like a lot of these guys, they sit and they look like they're looking out at the field. But in reality, it doesn't line up very well to do that. Now, maybe a guy who's, you know, 10 inches taller than me and some of them are can see some of it. But they're having a hard time viewing the entire game, even when they're sitting up there. That was also something that struck me. I always felt like when you see them like sitting up on the top of the benches and looking out on the field, they're doing that because they have a clearer view of it and that they can see everything from their dugout, there's a lot of obstructed view when you're in your dugout, which which kind of shocked me. Well, you know, they, they did that so that they could justify charging the players less for their tickets to the game. <laughs> Maybe that's kind of a nod to the history, right? The, the dugout is supposed to be this dirty, crappy place where, you know, you're not really all that comfortable because you're there to play a game and win a battle, damn it. But that's what it was like. and it was, To me, it was strange. Now, on the other hand, I, I had an incident. Before I tell you about the incident. Oh, wait, you had an incident? I had an incident that I'm a little embarrassed about. And um, I, 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 in my mind, I'll never be able to watch a White Sox broadcast or look at the dugout in the same way again. But before... What did you before, do? Before I get into it, I want you, if you're looking for an exterior window, door, patio door, storm door, I want you to make your first stop, window and door superstore of Oak Forest. They're not coming into your kitchen or your living room and using some high-pressure sale tactic and telling you this is the price until I walk out the door and bringing you these, these tiny, dingy little examples. No, you go into the showroom. There's no pressure. 
They show you everything, nothing in magazines and books and catalogs. It's right there for you to see and, and for you to pick out and see in examples inside of their large showroom out in Oak Forest. Owners are in showroom. Uh, owners are on site. All their own installers that work for them. They've been around for 40 years in Oak Forest since 1985. Everything's custom made so it fits perfectly. They're a half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. Learn more at Window Door Oak Forest. So at this event where there's batting practice, right? And I got to go in there and hit. And uh, I I got a new I got a new batting practice guy. Like I was his first victim. Oh, okay. Like Dan, Danny Pasco was out there throwing, and his arm started to fall off. I think, and he was like, "That's it, I'm done." So they they bring in some other kid to throw, and he was just somebody that works for the Sox. And everything he was throwing was at my knees or below my knees likely not even crossing the plate. Like I kept backing up and trying to swing because I want to hit something, right? Like I'm not taking well, you, pitches. That's the whole point. Yeah, you're not you're not taking walking practice here. No, I want to hit something. I'm never going to get to do this again. That's what's in my mind. I'm going to get eight pitches and I want to make contact. And all I'm doing is basically following them off or hitting like weak grounders because I'm falling out of the box. And I'm not a very skilled person to begin with, right? I didn't play college ball. There were a lot of guys there that played like college ball. That they, and I was like, and they could hit. There were guys that were at this thing that were hitting them to the track. Nobody got one out during batting practice. And all I was proud about was that the last one, which unfortunately is not caught on camera if you watch the social media, because then then they were taking pictures instead of video of me. The last one, I hit a legit single. Okay? I want to say it would be a double if I was fast, but for me, it was a legit stand-up, trot in the first base, make that little round single that there's no way, however deep Tim Anderson's playing that he gets to that drops in the gap in left center field. I, it was a rocket off the bat. Last one I hit, rocket off the bat. That's all I wanted. What was your exit velocity? I don't what know. What was your swing angle? I don't know what it was, but it was a rocket. It was probably at the perfect angle for a home run, but I'm weak and all I was going to get is a single. You know, like right now, I would think that if the White Sox signed me, I could at least deliver a Romy Gonzalez level of hitting. Okay, I could do a Lenin Sosa level of hitting right now. So, so is that is that like just above Billy Hamilton, or is that? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Billy might be able to produce more because he can lay down a button. He's got he's got speed, and I don't. Right. So, I mean, I'm just saying where I would probably fit. What I'm saying actually is like if you ever play 16 inch softball, and you used to be able to just kill the ball, and then you get to an age where now they're catching it in the outfield. And then you get to that point where you're just hitting those dinks, like right over for base hits. That's what I'd be. I'd be a base hit machine. Nothing but singles is what I would be. Singles and strikeouts. <laughs> my three-tier outcome would be single strikeout hit by pitch. That would be my right. three-tier outcome. <laughs> so, I mean, I, mean, I looked a real ugly new age Adam Dunn right there yeah, for you. I looked ugly out there compared to some of these other guys. But anyway, uh, you know, they had food there. They had beer there. And so there was a point where I just went exploring and I just wanted to kind of take it all in. And they made a rule like you couldn't bring food or beverage on the grass, but you could bring it into the dugout. So I go and stand in the dugout and I decide after I'm, I'm there for a little bit, I'm going to stand right at the top step. I'm going to stand where Tony La Russa has stood. Pedro Grafal stands right now. And, you know, does it say Tony and Jerry slept here? Uh, Jerry Manuel and, and Tony. We'll go with when Ozzie Gian was standing there when they were winning a World Series. Like I'm standing okay, right yeah, up there, there on go. the railing where the manager stands. And I'm leaning there with my with my line and kugels. Okay. 
because I wanted to have a summer shanty because it was a beautiful day. And I'm leaning it there with it, with it uh, in both of my hands, both of my hands clutched in my hands. And I'm looking around the ballpark. And as I mentioned earlier, when I was out there playing catch, I was so in awe of where I was at that every once in a while I would just sail a throw. And then I'd apologize to the guy. I'm like, I don't know, man. I just looked around as I was throwing the ball and I, I lost track of you because I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm standing on the field. Like I was such a little kid. I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm standing on the field. Like I would just forget how to do things because I was standing on the field. So now I'm standing there and I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, look at this. This is where like Isaac Ian stood, you know, in 2005, right? Like there, there were moments here where he's standing there and I'm looking around the stands and I'm imagining the place packed and like I'm zoning out. Right. And, and I'm just like, I'm just in that moment. And in that moment, as I'm doing it, I completely forget that I have the beer in my hand and the beer starts to slip and I grab it real quick and I spill beer all over where Pedro Grafal sits. I spilled beer in the dugout. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I soaked it, too. I dropped a half a can oh, of beer. Oh, no. Right in the dugout. Nobody saw it, too. It was amazing. Like, everybody was looking towards the field. They were doing batting practice. Well, thank goodness you're not saying anything about it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I totally spilled beer in the dugout. If you ever look at a game now and you see Pedro at the top step, Chris Lanuti spilled beer there. And I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. Every time I go to a game, I'm like, I spilled beer right there. I spilled it on the railing. I spilled it on the seat. I spilled, I, I made an absolute mess of myself. I tried to wipe it off my glove and then I just walked away real quick. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I mean, like now maybe, maybe they go on a winning streak. Like let's say they get back home and they go on a streak Right, I, I want to take credit for that because I spilled beer in the in the dugout. Well, that, that's when that's when the playoffs start. You need to go back there and spill beer in the dugout. Right, but if they lose, you can't blame me because they already lose so much. See, so to me, it, it it doesn't hurt me to say that I did it. Right, and they're probably never letting me back in again. So, but I I wasn't I I just zoned out and I was looking around. Next thing you know, so Pedro's going to be standing there at the next game, going, "This smells like summer shanty." Like, yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's fruity yet hoppy. <laughs> well, now it, it, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. You could have been zoning out in the bullpen and dumped it on their TV. And then they go to turn on the TV, right. at, you know, in their next home game. And they're like, hey, why is this in this work? What, what, what's going on? We can only get WTTW on this thing now. All of a sudden. We, <laughs> the bullpen I mean, view. This episode of Nova is great, but we kind of need to hear what Steve Stone has to say about Aaron. Listen, the bullpen view is incredible. When they sit up, I can't believe that they... I'm shocked that they all don't just sit out there. I know that most of them do. They just they should just sit out there on that bench where it's outdoors. That's a great seat right there. I wouldn't sit in the little like dugout part of the bullpen unless, of course, I wanted to see what they were saying on TV or I just wanted right. to hide from the crowd. Otherwise, I'd be yeah, up on that. I, I, that's think, a great I think those view. are the two reasons, right? You want to you, yeah. you're looking you're looking at something on the TV. You're hiding from the crowd or the weather is just absolutely terrible and you just don't want to be out there. Right. Something like that. And from the dugout, I will tell you that they can see if you're sitting like you don't really understand, like, what can they see down there? Right. Because it's just they're, they're ball players and they're playing Major League Baseball. And like there's always that fan thing in you that you just kind of look at and you go, they can't see me. Yeah, they can. They can see your signs. I guarantee you right now, if you if you're sitting in any vicinity of the ballpark, if you're in the 300 level from about where the numbers start. You know, I, I think right around where like Appling and Baines are up there. If you're out there with a sign on the 300 level or you're yelling in their direction, especially on a day game, they can see you. They can see your signs. You don't realize how much you're on top of them until you're down on the field. and You go, wow, people are really on top of you when you're on this field. It, it is a thing. 
You know, and now other observations that I, I had, there's no consistency in the outfield wall. There are a couple of panels of the outfield wall. This is what a, what a nerd I am. I walked along and I just started banging my, my, my shoulder off the wall. I want to know, like, does it hurt? Right. I hit one section. You wanted to see if you could alloy yourself or if you could Aaron Rowan yourself. Well, I went right? and took a picture by the thing that says the catch where D Wayne well, Wise yeah, made his play. Yeah. I went and took a picture. I had to be there. I had to go stand there. I had to throw my glove up. I had to pretend like I jumped for it. People are probably looking at me out there like, look at that weirdo trying to take a selfie of himself jumping up against the wall. That was me. I didn't really oh, care you didn't what ask somebody thought. to take the picture for you. You were selfieing? <laughs> no, I was selfieing myself. Oh, God. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Parts of the wall have a lot of give to them. Like in, in left center field, it almost felt like it was hollow. Like I fell into it and it kind of bounced back, right? But in like dead center field, it's like you're hitting brick. It's such a difference. And I, it's weird to me that there isn't the same consistency. Well, but but isn't isn't center field, aren't there doors and stuff back there? Like, don't, isn't that the part of the, the, the wall that opens and then everything else is just padded over the chain link because they were afraid Aaron Rowan was going to like grind his face off running into the fence? Well, yeah, well, it's all pads out there and they had the doors open for the event. So I was checking out the parts that weren't part of the doors. But I mean, okay. there, there's really no give there. And there's really no give out in right center. There was only one area where I felt like a lot of give in the, like it's almost, it was done differently in that section. And then like the bullpen bar now, what is it? The, the Miller landing, Miller light landing down there on the field. The, the fencing has like no give, but then in another section, like when you're in the patio area or when you're over by where the bullpen is, there's all kinds of give, like you could fall into it and it's like a cushion. So it was weird to me that there's like, it depends on what section of the wall you run into as to whether or not you're going to bounce off it or have a debilitating injury. And like, that was a thing that kind of hit me. I was like, why don't we have all sections of the wall be like this? Which one? The debilitating injury part? Or no, the, no, no, uh, not the debil- we don't want debilitating oh, okay. injuries. We're trying to cut down on injuries. What I'm saying is that like in my non-scientific walking around the warning track by myself, looking like a weirdo bouncing into the wall, I just found differences because I'm out there trying to figure out why are these guys getting hurt so much. That's what I was there. I was on a fact-finding mission when I was out at the ballpark. I was going to learn everything I could that they won't tell you about the ballpark. That's what I was running around doing. Well, did you try and jump into the net to see how soft I did. landing is? I jumped into the net. I, I can't believe I didn't get yelled at. I walked out into the corner and looked around like a little kid, like, are they going to notice? And then I jumped into the netting in the corner to see if you really do fall back out of it. I was like, oh, yeah, you do. Like they're never, they're going to, yeah, sh- well, so they're, they're going to watch security cameras and I'm going to be on a list where I'm never allowed near to field again. I was well, trying you everything are out. already on a list. How you got in there was a miracle <laughs> in, the, in the first place.
Now, now, also something that I learned, I didn't understand it because I'm not somebody who's ever been in scout seats. Like, I think we all see the scout seats and we go, I wonder what those would be like. And they're really expensive. And, and I learned a few things about them. One, From I, what I understand, they're pretty amazing. Well, no, I sat in them. And, and here's the thing. The first couple of rows, there's people's names on the seats or on the trays next to them. And they have individualized trays. Like these are the elites. They're in the first couple of rows, it looks like. That's okay. my guess looking at the names that are printed right there on like their seat, like on the tray that's next to it. Like this is so-and-so's seats. And then as you move your way back, they don't have the little trays. And it's almost like there's two different classes of even scout seats because some get the funny trays and some don't. But you have that that thing that's over the 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 entrance. And it's like the pitch speed and, and clock and all, the, all this stuff that's up there. They got like some equipment up there in the netting. When you're sitting there, it will block your view. Like I sit down in a seat in the scout seats and I'm thinking to myself, like somebody's going to spend 300 some dollars for this seat or more. And you sit there and you look over and I can't see third base. I can't see third base where the third base would be standing. Cause there's a big piece of equipment there. So I did find that to be kind of interesting. And then I always had the impression that the, the bar was directly through that tunnel. Like, you know how you see people walk down and you've always seen pictures of the bar. They're always be like, Oh, get scout seats. And there's a bar there. Well, it's not right there. You actually have to walk through a little tunnel past the umpire's room where the umpires are at. I saw where um, uh, Kenny Lofton crawled through. I saw that area there. You actually walk through that. And when remember when Kenny Lofton went and got the bat back for Albert Bell in the 90s and he crawled through the, the ceiling? You could actually... Actually, I thought it was Jason Grimsley. I thought they sent a pitcher to go do well, it. I don't remember. I thought the folklore was Kenny Lofton. Whoever it was. somebody yeah, went, it was. Somebody went through. You actually walk through right in that area where the umpire room is, and you see where they probably climbed through the ceiling above it and, and everything else. But anyway, um, you go out into the tunnel area, and the tunnel area connects all the locker rooms or the two clubhouses. So you may run into a player or an umpire or something like that, but then you got to walk 100 feet or so down into another room, then you walk through that room where the bathrooms are, then you eventually find the bar. I was like, if I ever went to the bar during the game, I'd miss a half inning to an inning of baseball. So you're kind of reliant on the servers. I never got that till I was down there. Like, Dad was like, do you want to be in the scout seats or do you want to be in that 200-level club that's right behind home plate? Because he, he he told me for my birthday that's what he wants to do. And I was like, that's awesome. Go to a game with Dad. Do something we would never do inside the ballpark. And after seeing the scout seats, I'm actually leaning towards the thing that's in the 200-level now. Because I, I was like, we would never, except for at the beginning or at the very end, I would never go use all the cool things that are back there because I wouldn't want to miss an inning or so of baseball. So I, I, I picked that up when I was down there as well. Are you surprised by that? Yeah, I guess I am a little surprised by that because you, you do think of that as being like the ultra premium seats. And it's not, doesn't sound like it's very intuitive. It's just kind of cool because you're in the in the scout seats, man. I mean, it's just, it's that section. The netting felt thicker. Like my view felt like, I mean, I was really annoyed by the netting as I'm, and I'm not as annoyed by the netting when I'm down the lines in the lower deck. It just, everything felt more clumped up. So yeah, it was surprising yeah. to me, you know, it was like, I, I was like, oh, the seats are really comfortable. You know, you are right there on the action. But on the other hand, I was like, I don't know. Like I, I had my doubts about it when I walked out of it. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be smirch it. In fact, to be honest with you, I met, I met this wonderful gentleman who's in charge of the entire 300 level. And I was trying to fix the ballpark for everybody. Oh, good, 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 good. I was coming up with ideas. He was sitting there and he was asking me what I think as I told him where our season tickets were. And I was like, you know, uh, we always want to come down to the 100 level to get the hot dogs. And he goes, why? I said, because you cook them differently on the 100 level. You cook them in the onions. They're a little burned. 
the ballpark dog. Like that, that's the kind of dog I want. I don't want the perfect one that looks like it was like boiled, you know, that they all look the same. I want my unique partially burnt in the onions ballpark dog. And the only place I can get that is the 100 level. And he looked at me and he was like, I don't think anybody's ever explained it to me that way. That makes sense. I actually came up with the idea that they should have, a, they should use the ramp that's in the back behind where the Vizzy bar is. It used to be the revolution thing that's down. Right, the, right, right. Yeah, down the, down the left field line there in the corner. I was like, there should be access from the other levels or at least maybe even the 300 level. So you, there's a ramp back there. You guys should open it up. So not everybody's trying to get down to the 100 level just to get back up into the bar. And he's looking at it and like he's saying, I don't know, it might make sense. Like I was planting ideas, Ed. That's what I was doing. I was, or I'm going to get this poor guy fired because he's going to go in. And he's going to give all the Chris Lanuti's ideas and they'll be like, you're out. Get out. Just get out of here. Well, he'll, he'll give all these <laughs> ideas and they'll go, you know, these are really excellent ideas. Uh, and he'll go, you know, I got feedback from this great fan, this guy named uh, um, Kevin, Kevin Latuna. Kevin, Chris, Chris Lanuti. That's it. That's the out, guy. Out. Get out. Get out you're right gone. now. Out. Get out. <laughs> get out. In fact, you're never going to work for a major league baseball team again. <laughs> We're calling all 31 other teams. <laughs> yeah. Go take a walk someplace else, my friend. You're, you're no longer yeah. needed here. It'd be best for him to just keep his mouth shut and deny that he ever I mean, yeah, me. we know Jake Diekman got another job, but you're not getting another one. <laughs> Overall, though, I'm going to tell you, it's really cool being out there. The the, the grass is is beautiful, That you know. Uh, everything it, it's soft under your feet it's it, you're, you're on a playing surface that I can't describe any other kind of playing surface like it I got to go stand over in the infield and kind of spread some dirt around at second base and pretend that I was a baseball player for a few minutes I mean it's, it's just the whole thing was just absolutely extraordinary if you ever get an opportunity somebody ever says yeah hey there's an event and I got an extra pass I can get you on the field go take it I mean go out there and go see it it's 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 eye-opening like, you know, exactly what they can see, where they're sitting at, you know, how their view is, the communication that's probably going on on the field with it, with everybody, just the whole thing. It, to me, was just extremely eye-opening. And then I, I had them, I had my one legitimate hit, caught a ball in the center field, and uh, walked home with a 10-foot smile. And, and it, was, it was awesome. Now, a guy who's returning to that ballpark before he got out of here is Jose Abreu. And our look at Jose's return is brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont Shop, Dine, Drink, Explore. Their 150th anniversary is happening this summer. They got a three-day thing going on, including a big festival in June. So many events coming up, a barbecue festival. Learn all about it at lamontdowntown.com. And they're going to be doing one of those video packages and thank you, Jose, things. And it struck me as he deserves it, 100%. He deserves it. I don't care how his season's going. I don't care about what happened when he was here that the White Sox didn't really do anything. I don't think that was on him. That was on the front office. That wasn't on Jose Abreu. On the other hand. Well, they haven't exactly done anything since he's left either. No, they haven't done anything since he's left. On the other hand, it will be weird to watch a video package where there isn't a massive moment that you're sitting there saying, oh, this is when Jose Abreu hit his 400th home run, like, or this is when Jose Abreu, you know, helped win that playoff game, or this is when they won a series, or like, I don't, they don't have a lot of that, do they, in his time, because of how bad they were, and how much they fell short over the last couple of years. Yeah, you're not going to see a lot of, I mean, you're going to see a lot of, of Jose Abreu hitting home runs, getting a clutch hit, you'll hear you know, you're, you're going to hear some Hawk. You're going to hear some Benetti. You're going to hear some Len Casper. 
You're going to hear some Farmio, you know, calling these these big moments that he's had that were ultimately small moments because they didn't amount to anything in the grand scheme of things of the team being really super successful. And it's it's a it's kind of an old story in Chicago sports, really, if you think about it, for a lot of teams, but the Sox in particular, you really just have the 2005 roster that you can sit there and say you have that moment of, you know, Canerco's grand slam or or Scotty Pods walking it off or you know whatever. With Jose Abreu, it's going to be just a lot of a lot of those moments where when you were at the ballpark or you were watching on TV or you're listening on the, on the radio, and it was just it was a you know, a, a Thursday night game and Jose had something clutch happen or, you know, it was a Saturday night game and, and he, he led you into the fireworks or something like that. I mean, it just, you know, good moments, clutch moments, moments that as a fan you enjoyed at the time. But yeah, it's, it's going to be weird because you're not going to see him holding up a trophy. You're not going to see him really with anything that you sit there and go, that moment was indelibly etched in my mind because as you said that, I'm sitting there going, I can't remember a single Jose Abreu moment. I can just see him in the batter's box. I can I can picture his swing, and I know that he had moments where you sat there and went, Abreu, yes! Yeah, right. I mean, like, that's all I have. Like, there's not going to be a moment where, like, he catches a ball over at first base and there's, like, a massive celebration or he's jumping around. You know, that'll be missing from the package. And and that's right. That's yeah, on he, the front he doesn't office. get the Josh Fields moment right. for, the, for the Mark Burley perfecto. Right. Exactly. That's 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 on the front office. That's 100 percent on them. Now, oh, here, yeah. here's one other thing I want to ask you before we get out of here. Prediction. I believe and I'd have to ask Soxner next week if this is true. I believe he's been hit by a pitch by every major league baseball team except for the White Sox. Right. Wouldn't you think so? Doesn't he get Ooh. hit? Like, he gets hit yeah, by a Sox pitch. Yeah, would know that one. Right? Like, hasn't he been hit by a pitch by, I would guess, like, if somebody held a gun to my head and they said, has Jose Abreu been hit by a pitch by every team in Major League Baseball? I would say probably. I would say, I would, uh, yeah. I would, yeah, I right? would feel like that. that's, because a, he, that's a distinct probability. He takes a lot of hit by pitches. I mean, maybe there's an outlier out there. But I mean, like, maybe, yeah. it would be, it, it, it. it's almost like an inevitability. He comes back to his own ballpark, gets hit by a pitch. It wakes him up out of this terrible funk since he started the season. And then he, like, has a walk-off. Well, he can't have a walk-off, but he has a big moment for the Astros, the way that the White Sox are playing. Like, uh, that's what I'm kind of expecting this weekend. Well, let's face it. He's facing White Sox pitching. He doesn't need to be hit by a pitch to be woken up this weekend. (laughs) Sox in the basement. Sox in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.